from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The little girl was 12 years old and she was walking to school and she was pulled out and, and uh, into an abandoned house. She should be able to walk outside safely. Our, our, what's nice about these big firm partnerships is we're able to draw maybe some of that um, new attorney energy and then also some of that experienced, seasoned um, skill set from some of these more senior partners. In our neighborhoods, when buildings catch on fire, they just, you know, stay like, like that and they stay burnt out. So we reached out to them to say, well, you know, what can be done? We can be that muscle for neighborhoods. I'm Sarah Funsky. For three and a half years now, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri has used a novel strategy to assist St. Louis's most disinvested neighborhoods. It's put top lawyers to work for them. The nonprofit organization's Neighborhood Vacancy Initiatives uses lawyers from four big law firms in St. Louis to provide legal work that tackles problem properties, holds predatory landlords accountable, and helps neighborhood activists where they need it most. The project recently got a grant worth more than $370,000 to expand the initiative. And joining us now with more on this project and its expansion is Peter Hoffman. He's a managing attorney for the Neighborhood Vacancy Initiative. Peter, welcome. Hi, how are you? And we're also joined today by Tony Glispie-Smith. She's a neighborhood advocate for her neighborhood. That's the city's West End. Tony, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Tony, before you connected with Peter and his organization, you were working hard on neighborhood revitalization, but you kept running into hurdles. What were some of the problems that you were running into in the West End? Well, just um, working with some other residents, there wasn't like much that we found that we could do. There was one particular um, duplex that was uh, always causing issues. We... Uh, um, we're having squatters there that were on drugs, and they would um, have overdoses and things, you know, like that. And some residents, we actually went to court because he had so many code violations that he um, was supposed to appear in court, and he didn't show up. So we talked to the judge and told him, um, her, who we were. And th they said, okay, you can come back next month. We came back next month. He still didn't appear. And then after that, um, something terrible like happened. That, uh, there was like a gun found in the, in the backyard. Oh. And then a woman was actually like ran outside one day um, and saying that she had just been raped. So oh, my goodness. I had um, already met um, Peter Hoffman and I um, reached out to him and told him, it's like this thing is just, you know, escalating. You know, is there something we can do? And he said, you know, give the, um, if you can get a hold of the owner, give the owner my card, I can um, help him, because he was an elderly gentleman that owned the, the property. So this guy that owned the property, he wasn't a bad guy. It was just an out-of-control situation in his home? Right. He didn't, um, yeah, he only owned the property. He lived somewhere else in, in the city, and he had owned it. I think he even grew up there mm -hmm. and had purchased it uh, many years ago, but just had never done anything with it. So it just, you know, continued to deteriorate. And um, where it's located in my neighborhood, it was just a convenient spot for people to come and, uh, you know, do 
uh, those type of activities. So here's kind of a bad guy. Peter, we got a, I mean, not a bad guy. We have bad guys taking advantage of a guy who's just not there at this point. Peter, I got to just step back a minute. Um, Tony mentioned that she had already met you. How had you guys first come into orbit? Yeah, so I met Tony uh, when I was still in Kansas City. So I'm from St. Louis, uh, but went to law school in Kansas City, started practicing out Uh, doing very similar work, identical work with uh, Legal Aid of Western Missouri, uh, running a a program that provided legal support for neighborhoods. Um, Came to St. Louis to do a presentation about our work there and met Tony. uh, And she would call me even when I was still in Kansas City and said, hey, what about this property? Or here's a scenario that uh, our community is facing. And uh, we kind of had some informal conversations that way. And then when I moved back home in 2018, uh, we got to work starting to tackle this issue and all the others um, that we've been able to to do over the last three and a half years. And so you said to Tony, give this guy my card. Um, where did things go from there? Yeah. So <laughs> there's, uh, you know, everybody sees the physical blight, the broken yeah. windows, the trash, um, the overgrown weeds, the dumping, the missing gutters. But often what kind of underlies that is this legal blight. Um, And so sometimes that's a title problem, a mistake in a legal description, a missing um, uh, uh, an heir's property issue where maybe an owner died and they didn't have a will that was probated. So all of these properties end up being stuck in legal limbo, and you almost need a lawyer to get involved, help get that property put in the right direction. And that's what happened here. This uh, individual called me after Tony passed along my card. He was a veteran, um, said, I've been trying to sell this property. I've got somebody who wants to buy it. It's just every time I get to closing, the real estate closing, the sale falls through. Uh-huh. Um, and so we spent hours and hours kind of reviewing the you know the transactional history, how he came to own it. Uh, and we realized there was a mistake in the legal description, and that's why this property isn't going through. So we had to find the previous owners in the chain and clear up all of these uh, all of this legal blight wow. so that the property could be sold. And it's uh, has since been sold, and it's a beautiful, productive home in the neighborhood again. So, Tony, the whole time that you're just kind of so frustrated by what's going on here, this was a guy who wanted to sell. Yes. He but, just he couldn't get the legal clearance to do it. Right. And so and we, um, finally, like we, we um, reached that point and, you know, we um, were able to um, talk to him and we actually got our nuisance um, problem property officer involved with it. And, and he was also the one that said, you know, call Peter Hoffman. He can help you because he's like, we have to get this, you know, issue resolved because it's, you know, all these escalating issues, something, you know, worse is going to happen. So before that happens, let's go ahead and take care of this property. And so when Peter was able to do that, get this title clear so the sale could go through, who ended up buying it from this guy? Actually, a neighbor um, was rehabbing another house um, across the street. And she was, that had also been like burnt out for like seven years. And her parents came to visit her and they just looked across the street and said, oh, what's going on with this property here? And they told them, the couple um, that just moved in told them what was going on. And they said, you know what, this would be a great property for us to purchase. Mm-hmm. So then when we come visit, then we you know have like a, a place to, to stay and we could also you know, rent out because it, it's a duplex. So they can like rent out one half and then the family, when they come to visit, can um, stay like a, on the other half. And so this family, they were able to purchase it and, and they spruced it up. It's now... Oh, it, it was a total rehab. It was really, oh, wow. really bad uh, in, in, inside. It was not really... Uh, where anyone should be 
be living. But, but they put the work in and, yes. and now it's good. Yes, yes. So, Peter, it's interesting. I think this narrative from people who don't spend any time in these neighborhoods is, oh, nobody wants to buy these houses. What we should do is we should just give them away. A, it's not as simple, as you say, because a lot of them have title problems. But B, there was somebody waiting in the wings who had a great use for this property. Is that unusual in your experience? No. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, neighborhoods do a great job of promoting themselves, trying to attract developers. Sure. Does every neighborhood in the city need more qualified rehabbers who want to invest in our historic housing stock? Yes. Um, but often it is this legal blight that prevents that from happening. The doors to investment sometimes are locked because of these title issues. Sometimes it's somebody who wants to sell a property and they can't. Um, or sometimes it is a bad actor. It's, you know, an absentee property owner uh, on another block of Clemens in the West End. There is an owner uh, on two giant abandoned properties right across the street from another. The investor was out of Colorado. And Ugh. so it makes it really difficult for the city to, to issue citations and hold that property owner accountable to make them do something with the property. And that's the other major type of assistance we provide to neighborhoods is under Missouri law, we can actually file a suit on behalf of the neighborhood organization and compel that owner to do something. We have some use it or lose it statutes. Um, we have other types of laws that compel owners to make repairs. So if the neighborhood has reached out to that property owner and said, hey, we, you know, what's going on here? You need to do something with this property. 99% of the time, I think the owner will respond to that. But for the ones that are truly stuck and we can't get that owner to be responsive, then sometimes we have to go to court. And, uh, you know, we can be that muscle for neighborhoods to show that, hey, we've got your back when when that needs to happen. We can provide that type of assistance for you. It seems like such a common sense solution here. And yet I imagine this is the kind of case that no for-profit lawyer would take. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work has to go into these. Right. There's no fees available uh, for lawyers that bring these types of cases. So there's really no incentive for uh, a private attorney to take a case like this. A lot of the times, you know, the owners are dissolved corporations. They're really hard to get money judgments against. So it doesn't really pay for itself. So it really kind of only works as a pro bono project. Mm. And so that leads us to this neighborhood vacancy initiative. This is part of Legal Services of Eastern Missouri, who's your employer. That's right. Um, this initiative got set up just a couple years ago, three and a half years ago. That's right. We're still relatively new. Uh, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri, I should step back and say, sure. has been around for 65 years. Um, we are the largest provider of nonprofit legal services to low-income individuals in eastern Missouri. We handle all types of cases from uh, eviction defense to foreclosure prevention to orders of protection for the victims of domestic violence. Um, our program, though, our community development project uh, is relatively new. We do have a program at Legal Services that has been providing small business support under our micro enterprise uh, umbrella for a little while. But this program to really have pro bono lawyers support neighborhoods is relatively new, just three and a half years. Uh, it started just as me, uh, as the only attorney. <laughs> a um, pro bono lawyer. <laughs> a pro bono lawyer. Um, but thanks to the support of the city and of the Legal Services Corporation, which is a big federal funder, uh, we are now one of the top largest pro bono projects uh, in the country. This, is that right? Yeah. This award is one of, one of 12 um, uh, awards given for pro bono projects across the country. So uh, they're only available to legal aid organizations, and we're very fortunate 
fortunate now. This is our second. Uh, the first was in 2019, where we brought on four firms to support four neighborhoods. And this is a continuation of that funding. And so with, with this additional $370,000, what will you be able to do that is not already underway with this initiative? Yeah, so there's so much work that needs to be done. Um, that uh, we have some room, I think, to, to bring on another pro bono law firm partner. So for the last uh, uh, two years, our, the, uh, we've had four firms. I should mention them. Brian Cave, Leighton Paisner uh, has been the uh, uh, neighborhood partner for the West End. Hush Blackwell has been the partner for Academy Sherman Park neighborhood. Stinson has been the partner for Hyde Park. Um, and then in Old North St. Louis, it's been Thompson Coburn. Thanks to this grant, we are able to add a neighborhood and a law firm. So the Lewis Rice firm just signed up to provide pro bono support for the Fountain Park and Lewis Place neighborhoods of North St. Louis. So we think we can bring on another firm, maybe two, maybe more. Uh, but that's where we'd like to go is just have dedicated pro bono support to neighborhoods that need it. And so these firms, they're donating their man hours. Um, where does the need for financial support for the program come in? Obviously, you know, you're there. You're working full time, but do you need somebody to sort of manage things then? Yeah, so we have uh, four staff attorneys uh, that each kind of uh, partner with those pro bono firms. So we do a lot of uh, case development. We you know order up the title research. Sometimes we'll draft up petitions. We co-counsel with firms too. So we as legal aid attorneys, I'd like to think, have kind of a specialized area of practice. Uh, the firms have with them their substantial depth and roster of, of skills and talent too. Um, and together, though, we're able to do more. I mean, our, our program is really, you know, real estate, abandoned property, poverty law specialists. And these other, you know, these firm partners have all this huge depth of knowledge in all these other areas. So together, we can really do more for more city neighborhoods. So it's a partnership. We're talking today with Peter Hoffman, Managing Attorney for the Neighborhood Vacancy Initiative. That's part of uh, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. We're also joined by Tony Glispie-Smith. She's a neighborhood advocate for her neighborhood in the city's West End. So, Tony, this all kind of started for you when you reached out to Peter and he was sort of your go-to guy for all these legal issues. Now that you've got this whole law firm, I mean, have you found yourself working with a bunch of different lawyers on a bunch of different things? Well, really, yeah, just a, a couple lawyers that uh, really help out with um, various neighborhood uh, issues. We have uh, Peter um, Peter Hoffman uh, with, uh, with the Vacancy Initiative, but with Brian Cave, I work, mainly work with um, Tim O'Connell, and I can reach out to him just to run various things um, by him. Because it, like we had an apartment building that caught on fire, and a lot of times in, in our neighborhoods, when buildings catch on fire, they just you know stay like, like that, and they stay burnt out. So we reached out to him to say, well, you know, what can be done about this, just in case the person doesn't take the building, you know, completely down or the house completely down. Mm -hmm. So it's just good to have that relationship that we can, you know, call, either call or email that person, and they'll um, get back to us to um, give us some um, information and just listen. And they've um, attended neighborhood meetings so that they know and kind of understand what's happening in the neighborhood and kind of like where they can uh, fit in as well. So, Peter, hearing the name Tim O'Connell, uh, you know, he was chief of staff for Mayor Lida Cruzen for a while. This is a pretty well-connected attorney to have on speed dial working pro bono. Um, do these these lawyers kind of bring maybe some special gifts that the average person wouldn't have? <laughs> oh, they're wonderful. And and one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud about uh, the program is uh, I think our, we, our, our pro bono cases kind of draw from 
both sides of the spectrum at these large law firms. So we have maybe senior attorneys who um, their rate is is really high. Uh, maybe you know they're kind of moving out of practice. They deal with clients less. We found that those attorneys are really well positioned for these cases. Um, but they'll often partner those experienced senior partners with new associates. So new. Um, you know, uh, recently gra- law school graduated law school students who have just passed the bar. This is maybe their first job in, in, in legal practice, and maybe they aren't as familiar as getting in front of a judge or working with clients or, you know, um, all of those types of things. So uh, our, our what's nice about these big firm partnerships is we're able to draw maybe some of that um, new attorney energy and then also some of that experienced, seasoned um, skill set from some of these more senior partners to, to help support neighborhoods. Yeah, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds right there. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, Tony, a lot of people hear about neighborhoods trying to, to make these kind of things happen, and they might immediately think of this idea of gentrification, that this is about raising property values and, you know, you get rid of the problem properties and the next thing you know, it's going to be a bunch of uh, people moving in and, and making things too fast fancy for working folk to stay there. I understand for you, this is not about property values. What what drives your interest in this work? It's really about what really started um, um, for me was a few years ago, was I'm working on establishing a community improvement district in um, the the neighborhood. And that's going to be concentrated on on safety and beautification. And I was looking around, like, what else needs to be done? So it's like, we have all these vacant homes. So we can't, you know, plant flowers and then have, you know, vacant homes and and things like that um, also in, in the neighborhood. So what can be done? So I started, I think I probably just like Googled about like, you know, what you can do about abandoned properties. And then I found out about the, uh, the like the laws that were on the books for Missouri, but they weren't quite here yet here in St. Louis. And then I, I got connected with um, Sunday Whiteside of Slaco, and mm-hmm. she told me about the Vacancy Collaborative and how they are trying to um, tackle um, the issue of, of vacancy. And... So I was really interested in, in that. And it also um, goes back to there was a, um, a news story that came out um, a few years ago about um, I think the little girl was 12 years old and she was walking to school and she was pulled off and, and uh, into an abandoned house. And he you know, slit her throat and, 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 and raped her and left her um, for dead. Fortunately, she um, survived. Mm-hmm. But and then maybe like a month or two after that in my neighborhood, um, two teenage girls were walking on the Greenway. And they were pulled off the greenway into an abandoned house. Ugh. Fortunately, they got away too, probably because they're um, together. But I have a um, my daughter's seventeen now. But I'm you know thinking about you know all those things. Like she should be able to walk outside safely without having those things happen. Yeah, I mean these, these a, vacant houses can really be dangerous points for neighborhoods. Right, right. So it's about you know not so much you know improving our, our property values but improving our way of life and, and 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 safety and for you know kids and you know everybody you know in between from you know to older people that have been there for for years and stayed in the neighborhood they deserve to have and we're worthy of having a nice neighborhood with um you know, low um, vacancy. Mm -hmm. So, Peter, vacancies are really, it's front and center in the name of this initiative. Um, They really are a blight. And again, this goes beyond property values. Do you see this in all these neighborhoods where you're now working? Sure. It's not just about, you know, addressing the properties that are already vacant, but it's also about preventing new Mm -hmm. vacancies from happening. So a lot of the cases will be referred from the Neighborhood Association as maybe an older homeowner been in the neighborhood a long time and they want to take advantage of, of maybe the neighborhood starting to 
turn the corner and see investment. Um, but maybe they have a title issue. They can't get a bank loan or they can't get minor or major home repair from the city. So we do a lot of curative work. Uh, we handle a lot of, like I said, heirs property or fractured title uh, cases. And then we also, um, thanks to this pro bono support, we're able to do clinics in the community and help residents with things like estate planning so that their mm-hmm. property can be passed on to the next generation and we don't have another abandoned house contributing to these problems that Tony just described. Hmm. This seems like such great work. And Peter, I have to ask, you mentioned that you were living in Kansas City at the point when you first started, you know, sort of dabbling in some of your hometown uh, trying to solve these problems here. Everything I've heard is that Kansas City is so far ahead of us in dealing with these issues on vacancies. At least that was the case four years ago. Do you feel like St. Louis is, is starting to catch up or maybe putting some energy into something that was allowed to fester for a long time? Well, yeah, it's a it's a larger problem here. It's a more deeply entrenched problem here. Our housing stock is older. So in some ways, the challenges here are, in St. Louis are just much greater. Um, that's why I think a program like ours is so important here. Um, but I mean, it's yeah. So I mean, it's, it's an enormous problem to tackle. Um, and I think you know, you, if you look at what's happened in St. Louis over the last two or three years, there's our program, the Neighborhood Vacancy Initiative, but there's also the St. Louis Vacancy Collaborative, which is this coalition of people in local government, neighborhood leaders, uh, people at universities who all want to come together and figure out how do we fix this problem uh, in a in a collaborative way. So this is not an issue of you know historic disinvestment that the city can fix on its own. Mm-hmm. It's not um, a problem that the private market can fix on its own. It really needs to be a collaborative effort where everybody's pulling in the same direction. And we have uh, more resources now than ever. I still think there's a, a long way to go. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is helpful in us doing our work is now there is this wonderful map. If you go to the St. Louis Vacancy Collaborative's website, you can actually look at a live map that shows where are the vacant parcels Mm -hmm. in the city of St. Louis. Who owns them? Are they city owned? Are they privately owned? What are the conditions? Are they tax delinquent? All of these types of things. So um, this type of collaborative energy has really, I think, helped move the city in the right direction, though we still got a long way to go. I got to ask, you said there's this map that kind of shows where all the vacants are. Is the number coming down at this point? Oh, come I on. <laughs> I want some good news here. No? <laughs> it's, it's, still an, it's still an enormous problem. And, you know, every time a building comes down, you still have a vacant lot. And those are two different problems, and they require very different solutions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a vacant building can be rehabilitated and returned to the market as affordable housing. A vacant lot can be transformed into a garden, maybe temporarily or maybe long-term put back into use as new construction. So I think, you know, this is a problem that has really – existed over the last 50, 60 years in St. Louis, probably longer than that. Um, Hopefully it won't take that long to turn it around, but there's still a long way to go. Well, it's great to hear about the work that you both are doing. This is so important. Uh, Peter Hoffman, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Peter is the managing attorney for the Neighborhood Vacancy Initiative. That's part of Legal Services of Eastern Missouri. And also uh, Tony Glispie-Smith, thank you so much. Thank you so much, too. And Tony is a neighborhood activist in the city's West End neighborhood. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.